Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And in this series right now, we're talking about how faith works. Yes, faith is not to remain alone. It's, it's meant to work. It's meant to be put into action. We are saved, praise God, and we receive every blessing from God by grace through faith alone, apart from any works, because therefore we've got no grounds to boast about our salvation. Um, for example, the thief on the cross, when he uh, turned to Christ, he was fully accepted and he was given the promise of being in paradise with Jesus. And, and even though he did nothing to deserve it, and he could do nothing to deserve it because he was on that cross. And, and that's how it is for all of us. God offers his salvation on the basis of grace through faith. And uh, we can't come to God trying to earn or deserve a blessing from him. That's not going to work because that is actually self-righteous pride. And it's doomed to fail. Faith, in fact, involves repenting of trusting in ourselves and our works. And instead, it's putting all our trust in Christ and his work. But the other side of this coin is the fact that good works are important uh, to God. Although we're saved by faith alone, that faith should not stay alone. Because a genuine faith uh, will issue forth, will produce good works in our life. You see, a heart faith will be expressed in our words and in our actions. It's imperative that we do this. James says that faith without works, without corresponding actions, is dead. It's unfruitful. It's unproductive. And last time we saw three things that our works, our good works, will do. It will reveal our faith. It will release our faith and the power of God. And it will perfect our faith. It will develop our faith. It will make it strong. So our faith mustn't stay alone. It must produce good works. And that's what we're going to encourage again with this talk today. In fact, it's the, the very same Apostle Paul who was the champion of giving us the clearest revelation of salvation through faith alone. It is Paul who also speaks clearly of the necessity of good works. That, and a good work is a work that is produced from our faith. It's because we believe that as a result we live by faith. We produce those works. And these good works are very, very important. Uh, let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Paul says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So that's one side of the coin. But then he immediately goes on to say, Now that you're saved through faith, now... It, you must produce good works. Verse 10, for we now are his workmanship, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, having been saved by grace through faith alone, we are now new creations. We are his workmanship. We are created with the ability to produce good works of faith. And these originate in the in the will of God, the plan of God. God expects us to walk out our faith in a life of good works that are preordained by God. In fact, it says we've been saved for good works. The purpose of our salvation is actually not just to go to heaven, but that we would be transformed to show forth God's will in our life through good works. 
He says the same in Titus, Titus 2.11. For, he says, number one, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. But also, number two, this same grace teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the same grace that saved us now teaches us to live a life of good works. And then in verse 14 it says, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. So the result of our faith, the result of our salvation, is that we would be purified from dead works and zealous for good works. The purpose of our salvation, you see, is to make us transform people who do good works. And then in Titus 3, it says, When the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man, appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, his grace, he saved us. Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, through whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. It's, salvation is all by grace, not our works. But then, in verse 8, he says, this is a faithful saying. And these things I want you to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain to devote themselves to good works, you see. These things are good and profitable to men, you see. And let our people also learn to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs, that they may not be unfruitful. And so he says, having believed God and received our salvation, do not forget, we are now expected to focus on living a consistent life, to maintain, to be devoted to a life of good works. And this will be good and profitable for us and for those around us. These works cause us to be fruitful, to be a blessing and an inspiration to others. Without good works, our faith is unfruitful, he says. So, we're talking about good works, but we need to be clear what we mean by good work. You see, the Bible tells us there are two kinds of works that may look good. Dead works and good works. Dead works spring out of man's pride, his independence, his flesh. That it's when he tries to justify himself before God. They're self-righteous, they're done in our own strength, from a heart trusting in himself. Whereas good works are done through trusting in the Holy Spirit uh, that's within us. They're not done to gain righteousness with God, but they flow out from Christ's righteousness in us that we've already received. You see, dead works come from trusting in ourselves, but good works come from trusting in God, from faith. What are good works? They're our response to God's grace in our life. They flow out from our faith. They're works of faith done in obedience to God's word. You see, God's definition of a good work is different from man's. It's because many works that outwardly look good to man are actually de called dead works by the Bible. God does not judge works by their outward appearance, but by the heart attitude and the motive and the, and the energy behind it. 1 Samuel 16 says, The Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Proverbs 21 says, Every way, 
or work of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the hearts. Proverbs 24 says, if you say, surely we didn't know this, does he, not he who weighs the hearts consider it? He who keeps your soul, does he not know it? And will he not render to each man according to his works? And so we see here that God weighs the heart and he sees the motive, the true nature behind a deed and he will reward it accordingly. And so for a work to be truly a good work that pleases God, it must come out of a heart of faith, of love. It must be a response to the grace and the love of God in our life. It must be a work of faith. Because Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So a work does not please God, it's not a good work, unless it comes from faith. Romans 14.23 says, whatever is not of faith, whatever is not proceeding from faith, is sin. And so good works are those that proceed from faith. All other works that proceed from man's flesh are dead works and they cannot please God, even if they look good. They're done in our own strength rather than trusting in Christ. And, and so this includes many works that look good to man. As Isaiah says, all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags in God's sight. Hebrews 6.1 talks about this as well. He says, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. He, he, it's interesting here, he sets dead works. He talks about repentance from dead works and then faith toward God. He sets dead works here in contrast to faith. They're set in opposition to faith and the good works of faith. You see, good works come from a genuine faith and that's somehow opposite to dead works. And so to enter, it talks about repentance, repentance from dead works. To enter into the good works of faith that come from trusting Christ and his spirit within us, we have to first repent of our dead works. That's the works that come from trusting ourself and our self-righteousness, you see. So dead works are done to earn and, and deserve a blessing from God. But good works are done because we've already received that blessing. We've already received that salvation by faith and now we want to release it. That's the good work. So it's not done to gain something from God, it's done because we are blessed by God and now we want to express it. Good works are a response to God's grace, what God's already done for us. In other words, we live right and we do good, not to make ourselves righteous, but because we've already been made righteous by God. And now we want to express who we are in Christ. We don't do it to earn our salvation, but to express and release our salvation. We don't do works to get saved, but because we're saved. We love him because he first loved us. We don't do things to make him love us, but it's because we've received his love, we want to love him. We do it out of gratitude, trusting his spirit within us. Good works, you see, come forth from a heart that has already trusted and received God's grace 
and has entered into rest. Hebrews 9.14 promises us this, the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, will cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. How do we serve the living God? With genuine good works. But first we've got to be cleansed from those dead works. The blood of Christ, the life of Christ, cleanses us from those dead works, enabling us to serve God with good works. Dead works are works of self-righteousness, pride, including religious works done in our own strength to earn and deserve God's acceptance and blessing to make ourselves maybe look superior to others. You see, the path of good works is receiving God's grace and then living that out. The context, by the way, in Hebrews here about the dead works that he's warning them about is he's talking to those who are being tempted to go back to the dead works of trying to earn their salvation by keeping the law of Moses. He says, no, that isn't the way. You need to receive the grace of Christ and live out in that reality. Paul's own testimony, because he went through from a life of many dead works that he thought were good, and then he turned and he received Christ and he was transformed into a life of good works done in the power of God. And this is his testimony in Philippians chapter 3, how we turn from a life of dead works to a life of good works. Let me read it to you, it's wonderful stuff. Though, he says, I also might have confidence in the flesh. That's dead works. If anyone else think he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. And he's talking about how he repented from these dead works, this confidence in the flesh. He says, circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, he says, in my self-righteousness, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things, all my self-righteousness, everything I trusted in, I count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. He says, I don't trust in those things anymore. And I count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. And actually, this word rubbish is very polite. It's actually the word for dung. He, he's, he regards his self-righteous dead works and all of that as dung. Just imagine a man going around holding his dung and displaying it. He said, look at the dung I've produced this morning. Isn't it, isn't it fine dung? You know, but that's exactly what we're like when we go around, when we're trusting in ourselves and going around boasting in what we've done to deserve God's blessing and our achievements. We're actually showing our dung off. He says, no. And he goes on and says, that what I want now is to be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the power of his spirit and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. If by any means I may obtain to the resurrection or the out-resurrection from the dead. He says what I'm looking for, forward to is to experience God's power more and more. I've been made righteous by faith. And I want to just, 
And I've been given his spirit and I want to experience that more and more. And I'm looking for the reward that's coming to me at the rapture. He says the out resurrection from the dead that I may obtain to a wonderful reward there. He says not that I've already obtained or I'm already perfected but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren I do not count myself to apprehend it but one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. He's running this race and he says I press towards the goal the finishing line for the prize of the upward calling Christ Jesus and that prize is his eternal reward for for the works for the good works he was doing the eternal reward of the upward call that's the rapture when Jesus calls us up to meet him in the air he says and then we will receive the prize of that upward call in Christ Jesus you see so he's realized that instead of trying to attain and establish a righteousness of his own he's now living a life of faith trusting in Christ's righteousness trusting in trusting in Christ's power and he's motivated by those eternal rewards that God promises to give him at the rapture And these rewards are simply a fulfillment of his desire to know Christ more, to experience more of his glory, and to know more of his power. That will be the reward, a greater degree of glory and presence with God. When we're raptured, we all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and that's when our works will be judged to determine our rewards. And We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 3 that describes the different kinds of works that will then be judged. It says in verse 9, We are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation. And another builds on it. But each one, let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And this is talking about our work for the Lord. He says, we are building on the foundation of Jesus Christ, the finished work of Christ, what he did to save us. We can't add to that. We can't can't build another foundation. That foundation is done. We can't repeat what Jesus has done. That foundation is laid, that we're saved by grace through faith. That's a, a done deal, praise God. But we must build on that by our good works. You see, there is nothing we can add to our salvation. It's all done. We're saved by trusting in the foundation of Christ. But now we're called to build on this foundation, a life and a ministry that glorifies God with good works of faith that's built on Christ's work for us. And now he talks about how we can build. What kind of materials are we using? Are we using dead works or good works? Are they works of the flesh or are they works of the spirit? Verse 12. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day, the day of judgment will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. You see, when we're building our lives, we're using one of two kinds of material. They're either the good works of gold, silver, precious stones, or dead works of wood, hay, and straw. They might look good to the natural eye, but God sees their real nature. The quality in the judgment, the quality of our works will be tested by fire. And anything that is dead works will be burned up and will be rewarded accordingly. But whatever is good works, 
gold, silver, precious stones, will be untouched by the fire and will go into eternity as our reward. One type is combustible and will not stand the test of God's fire, his holiness. The other kind is indestructible. Because the combustible one is just works of the flesh. They cannot stand. But the indestructible good works will endure forever and will contribute to our eternal rewards. And so he says in verse 14, if anyone's work which he has built on it endures the fire, he will receive a reward, you see. If anyone's work is burnt, he will suffer loss. Loss of reward, not of salvation, because that's already done. He will suffer loss of reward, but he himself will be saved, yet as through fire. And when we stand before Jesus, when we've been raptured, the fire of his holiness will go through our whole life, and it will burn up everything that is wood, hay, and stubble, and we'll be left to take into eternity only that gold, silver, and precious stones that is our genuine good works. The true nature of every work will be revealed in this day of judgment. It'll be terrifying in a sense, to see our whole life and then God's analysis of it. It says it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort, what material it is. It's a quality test. Was it done in the Lord or in the flesh? What is this fire? Revelation says Christ's head and hair are white like wool, like not because he's old, but because of the glory of God shining through it. White as snow, and his eyes like flames of fire. See, Jesus will look into our life with his eyes of fire, and he will look with penetrating insight and consuming fire. And everything inferior will be burnt and destroyed. Nothing of the flesh can endure in heaven. Only that which is of God will remain. And so our works will be purified by fire and will be rewarded for whatever stands the test. Someone may seem to have built up loads of wonderful works, but when the fire goes through, his whole life work will be burnt because it was all done for the praise of man, all done to glorify himself, all done for selfish motivation, all done in his own strength, and he'll suffer loss of reward. But praise God, our salvation rests on Christ's work alone. Thank God for that. Now notice, on the one hand, there are dead works. Wood, first of all. Wood in the Bible represents human flesh. These are works done in our own strength, independent from God. Hay represents human merit. These are works of self-righteousness. Straw represents human wisdom, human opinion. These are works that come from purely human reasoning human inclination, human emotion, but not of God. But on the other hand, there is good works in three types. Gold. Gold represents the divine nature, the pure divine nature in us. These are works of the true love and of faith. You see, because when we're born again, God puts his gold in us. We have the love of God in us. We have the new life of Christ in us. And that which flows forth from our reborn spirit, as we walk in that spirit, we produce works of God through the fruit of the spirit. And so this refers to God's present grace in us. As we believe in that and walk in that, we produce gold. Then he talks about silver. Silver is the metal that stands for redemption. These are works that are a response the response of gratitude, really, for God's past grace in Christ. 
His death for us on the cross, you see, was the supreme demonstration of his love for us. And when we see how much he loves us when he died on the cross, you see, that inspires us with gratitude to want to give our life to him. And the works that we do that are based on his redemption, when we sacrifice for him because we know how much he sacrificed for us, works springing out of that past grace of his loving Christ for us, you see, we love him because he first loved us, you see, then we want to do his will. And then as we do that, we produce works of silver. This is the motivation, his grace motivates us to do works, to do his will. And then finally, there are the precious stones. These represent the words of God. These are works of obedience to the word of God. When we actually do what he says because he said it, because we feel like it, not because people will praise us for it, but because he told us to. These are precious stones. These are done in response to his lordship. As a servant under authority, who's only concerned to do his master's will, who's only motivated to please his master, to get his master's praise, his master's reward, even if it means denying himself and his popularity to do so. These are really works done in response to God's future grace. Because this is the person who knows that Jesus is his Lord and one day he's going to have to give an account to him for how he has fulfilled his, his word and been faithful to him. And this is a faith that God promises that he will reward our faithfulness in, when we meet him. And at that point, you see, the person who sees that future grace and that future accountability is motivated to do his master's will and to earn his praise. And every work that you do in that way is a precious stone. Every time you obey God's word, because your Lord tells you to do so, and you want to be found faithful, you want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant, that becomes a precious stone. And so, I challenge you, examine. Are your works wood, hay, stubble, or are they gold, silver, precious stones. Examine the power energizing your works. Are they done in the power of the Spirit, trusting in the Spirit, or are they done from the flesh? What about the motive of your works? Are they from love of God, out of gratitude to God, or are they self-serving? And finally, the obedience of your works. Do they spring from God's will, because God's told you, or are you just following your natural inclinations, following your traditions and your religious rituals that you happen to like? Make sure when you go to heaven, you've got lots of gold, silver, and precious stones to bring before the Lord. Because there's a fire coming, and all the rest is going to be burnt up.